When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Consent. Nothing personal. Word of the day. First day of July is consent. We have to revisit the Trevor Bauer situation because it's getting worse for MLB. It's getting worse for the Dodgers. It's getting worse for Trevor Bauer. And it, of course, is even worse for the victim of the sexual assault perpetrated by Bauer onto this woman. The woman released a document, a 67 page document that was taken under oath, really. It's like a statement that you give to the police department and you're subject to perjury if you lie. Comes with photos, comes with descriptions, accounts, and it all adds up to a really big problem for Trevor Bauer. The reason why I wanted to talk about this a second day is I wanted to make sure that I was as clear as possible, not just in yesterday's Nothing Personal, but in every Nothing Personal, not just my view of, and when I talk to you about these concepts, about these crimes that take place or things the players do, whether they're using drugs, whether they're doing bad things to people, whatever crimes they're committing, whatever morally repugnant things they may be doing or I may be doing or get done, at any particular day, time, or moment within sports, I want to explain to you pragmatically what's happening. Sometimes the emotion gets the best of me, where I become very opinionated and get extremely angry with this action that has taken place, where I say it's enough. I do not understand why men continue to do this to women. But pragmatically speaking, that's not what Major League Baseball is thinking about. That is not what the Dodgers are thinking about. And frankly, it's not what Trevor Bauer is thinking about right now. Major League Baseball saw that report, read that report, and their Department of Investigations is investigating that report because even if charges are not filed, which I do believe they will be, if charges are not filed, MLB will still have a duty to suspend Trevor Bauer. When you look at what MLB has done recently with domestic violence and assault issues, most of which do not get charged, they have still pressed forward and suspended the player. Totally different situation if the DA actually formally charges Bauer because that ends any investigation by MLB in terms of the ability for Bauer to keep pitching while that investigation is going on. If he is actually charged, he will not pitch again until the end of the suit, however it ends. So there's two different timelines that Dodger fans have to think about, that Trevor Bauer has to think about. 
The first timeline is Trevor Bauer will keep pitching. The Dodgers will keep pitching him until he's charged or until MLB is finished with their investigation and comes down with their punishment. But should he be? Is that the right move? Trevor Bauer is due to pitch again on Sunday, July 4th, our nation's Independence Day, in our nation's capital. Is there any worse perfect storm than having a player who has been accused so flagrantly of violating a woman's rights that he takes the ball on Independence Day in Washington, D.C.? If I'm president of the Dodgers, am I choosing any other day for Bauer to pitch? No. And this is the part about baseball where we all get a little unemotional, where the people running the teams put on their blinders and they say, God, that sucks that it's his turn in the rotation on July 4th. I don't like the optics of this, but I am pressing forward. Give him the ball. Let him pitch. Let him get another start under his belt. Hopefully another win for our team as we're competing with the Giants and the Padres in this division. And we will worry about what comes next next. We're going to go to Bauer and we're going to tell him what to say, what he can't say in post-game press conferences and pre-game press conferences. We're going to work with his lawyer, our lawyers, his agent, MLB, the Department of Investigations. We're going to come up with the right way to spin what is happening. But we're going to have you pitch. Wouldn't it be great if the Dodgers just didn't do that? If the Dodgers had the guts, and the Dodgers can't do this. There are violations uh, in your player contract. Trevor Bauer is right now in violation of a provision of a player contract that the team could invoke and put him on a restricted list and not pay him. We leave that open with players who we sign, the language that allows us to do that, to restrict a player because most teams are never going to take advantage of that. It's going to be done at the Major League Baseball level so the team doesn't look bad. It's baseball putting the player on the restricted list, baseball doing the suspension. Very rarely do you have a team that will step up, which is why the team always says, hey, we're deferring to baseball in this case. But wouldn't it be great if a team like the Dodgers or a team like any team that I ever worked for, if we had the guts to say, you know what, we don't need you, baseball. We are right now putting... Trevor Bauer on the restricted list. We need to see this investigation through and find out whether or not he's going to be charged. But until then, he does not represent us. Think we do that with our number one pitcher? No. God, that makes me so damn angry. We try so hard not to draw a distinction between good players and bad players when it comes to discipline, treating good players and bad players the same. Really do try. It just doesn't work because something inside you clicks when you know your main job is to win. You want to be a good member of society. You want to be productive. You want to be a leading organization. You want to lead by example. And all of that gets shoved to the ground when you have a chance to win and gets risen up when you have a chance to do something with eyewash by getting rid of a player who you sucked anyway. I don't know, Coca. It's extremely frustrating as I think about it. I wanted to talk a little bit about, a little more about consent and a little more if you read this article and uh, read what came out about consent and about sex and about what happens 
in hotel rooms, what happens with players. And I'm, I'm not going to do it today. And here's why. I want the focus on this story, on the Trevor Bauer story, to be on how it is being handled by baseball and by the Dodgers. And I want the focus then to be on the victim and making sure that she is not victim shamed to make sure that she is the one who is taken care of, that the rule of the day is not, hey, she asked for it. She wanted it rough and she got it. I don't want that to be the narrative. So I'm going to stop that narrative and I'm going to start a different narrative, which is when it comes to Trevor Bauer, you tell me, L.A., what are you doing? Be different than I was. Be better than I was. Don't be the way everybody else is. Suspend Trevor Bauer right now. What about you, baseball? Don't be the way you've always been where you investigate, investigate, investigate. Months go by while the player continues to play. And then you have to come out and suspend for 30 games or 50 games or 70 games. Should be suspended right now. That's actually the way to see for today. It's a horrible, disgusting pathetic way to see, but Trevor Bauer will be suspended. Forget the fact that if he's charged by the DA, he's suspended that day. I'm talking about suspended even if the DA does not charge him. It feels as though baseball has been dealing with issues of a sexual nature way more now than they have in previous years. And there's so many instances of it that people just seem to forget. Anyone remember Jared Porter? Remember he was hired to be the GM of the Mets? And he was engaged in lewd textual activity, making the workplace environment uncomfortable for females and for writers. Sort of like what Mickey Calloway was doing. Anybody remember that? He was suspended. MLB put out a statement yesterday about Jared Porter. This is important to read this statement, please. My office, Rob Manford said, has completed its investigation into alleged inappropriate conduct by Jared Porter. Having reviewed all of the available evidence, I have concluded that Mr. Porter violated MLB's policies and that placement on the ineligible list is warranted. We are committed, get ready for this, folks. We are committed to providing an appropriate work environment consistent with our values for all those involved in our game. Major League Baseball completed its investigation through their Department of Investigation. They reviewed all the available evidence. Remember, they have no subpoena power. So whatever evidence they can see is evidence that is handed over to them without being asked, without being forced. Hey, Jared, could I see your cell phone? Can you try not to delete anything on it? Do you mind? Jared could say, yeah, I'll, I'll give it to you in a week or two. Meanwhile, he deletes everything. Nothing MLB can do about that. They can't subpoena his phone. They can't make Jared Porter not delete pictures on his phone or texts. They don't have the right to go to the phone companies and subpoena phone records. MLB does not have subpoena power. So that's why in the statement, MLB has to always say, reviewing all of the available evidence. The available evidence may be a phone, a girl's phone, a woman's phone, someone else's phone who Jared sent a picture to. 
Who knows? I don't like that we have to put in statements. It's they, Coca. I don't like that they have to put in statements that we are committed to providing an appropriate work environment consistent with our values for all those involved in our game. How do you release that statement while the highest paid player you have is now in the situation he's in where he's been investigated? Is it because it's not a work environment? Are you, do you need to only supply an appropriate work environment so the people who are working, the female journalists and the female trainers, is that the work environment for them that you're trying to protect? Female fans, I guess, separate? Female stalkers? Players who try to find women in various places, various ways? Are they not under the umbrella of coverage that MLB provides or cares about? They have to be. That's the change that we need to happen. And when you're doing a statement like that, you have to think to yourself. It, I'm never going to get tired of saying it because nothing personal exists because of the statements that people write where I try to explain time and time again that every word has a meaning. When you write an email to your boss, to someone who works for you, when you send a text message, every word has a meaning. And that meaning is being interpreted by the receiver of your communication. And if it's received incorrectly or misinterpreted, and then you are off the rails. But when you release a statement and you are an organization, a large company, a multi-billion dollar company, you've got to pay attention to each word even more. It's by habit that MLB end statements with, we are committed to providing an appropriate work environment consistent with our values for all those involved in our game. Does that just mean they're doing a bad job? Does it just mean that they say what they want, but they're not willing to do the things that are necessary to make it that way? MLB has an opportunity right now, right now, to do something. And I'm just not sure they're going to do it. So Jared Porter is now ineligible through 2022. Is that the commitment? That's showing the commitment, huh? So he can't come back and be a GM. Good luck getting hired again, Jared. You're not AJ Hinch and you're not Alex Cora. You're done. Unless Theo takes over the Mets and may take you back. So much about sexual assault is being talked about. Yesterday, it made news. Bill Cosby was released from prison. Did you see that? People got very confused when Bill Cosby got released. People got very angry. How could this happen? What a miscarriage of justice. How could someone who's guilty not be in prison? He had served three years of a three to 10 year sentence. He was not paroled. He was actually released because he's an innocent man. I want to tell you what happened. So when you are talking about the Bill Cosby story, you've got the facts. Our justice system is the best justice system in the world. It may not be the most fair all the time to everybody, but overall, it is the best of the best. You have an opportunity when you lose or when you get convicted, you have an opportunity to appeal that conviction. Whether you're rich like Bill Cosby or whether you're off the street and you have been selectively prosecuted. You have a right to get a lawyer and to appeal. What an appeal does is it makes sure that everything that happened during your jury trial 
happened according to the letter of the law and the provisions of the Constitution that protects each and every one of us. Sometimes a guilty person is let go because there were procedural issues that made the trial unfair. There were evidentiary issues that were allowed into the case, pieces of evidence that shouldn't have been heard by the jury, but were that made the jury trial unfair. There were articles written that were seen by the jury that made the jury deliberations unfair. The judge gave the jury the wrong words in his instructions to the jury for them to deliberate. There are myriad things that can happen at the lower court that can result in an appeal being upheld that overturns that conviction. And your first reaction is, why? That's so unfair. Bill Cosby did it. He drugged all these women and then raped them. He deserves to go to prison for 100 years, throw away the key, if not give him the death penalty. I'm with you. There's only one thing I'm more positive of than that Bill Cosby should never be let out of jail. And that one thing is that Bill Cosby needs to have the right to get let out of jail. Small difference, right? Just that word. Having the right to prove that even though you're guilty, that something happened that shouldn't have happened. O.J. Simpson, guilty. How come not convicted? Because of the mistakes that were made at the jury trial and in the investigation by the police who put the investigation together and put the evidence together. And the reason why we have a society that our legal establishment allows for this to happen is because can you imagine if you're innocent and something happens during the jury trial that makes it seem as though you are guilty and the jury votes guilty and you are then put in prison. And believe me, that happens too. Innocent people are put in prison all the time. There has to be a system in place where an innocent person in prison has the ability to get a new trial, to look at what happened, what the miscarriage of justice was. There has to be an ability of guilty people to have that same right. You know me as a consequentialist. As a consequentialist, I tell you, Bill Cosby deserves to be in jail. Anything that has him not in jail is a consequence that I don't agree with. Therefore, I'm against what happened. When it comes to the legal system, while I am still a consequentialist and I feel zero, zero, zero sympathy for guilty people who spend time incarcerated, I am up every night with night sweats about innocent people who get incarcerated because I'm innocent and I love freedom. And can you imagine a scenario where you or me or someone you know and love gets swept into being in the wrong place at the wrong time and all of a sudden the snowball is rolling and before you know it, you're doing three to 12 at Rikers Island. I need to have the ability to have legal counsel to show that everything that added up and led to that point is wrong and therefore that conviction should not have happened, set me free. And I am, yes, making the equivalent point about me being innocent and being put in jail and then being set free or Bill Cosby being guilty, being put in jail and being set free because there was misconduct that showed 
him to be in the court guilty, even though in real life he was guilty. That's a price I'm willing to pay to make sure that innocent people don't have to ever be in prison. So people were angry and I get it, but you have to look into the legal system and you have to think about it in a much bigger picture. So Felicia Rashad, Mrs. Cosby, tweeted something that got my attention. I was going to retweet it. I think I did retweet it. David P. Sampson annoyed me so much. She wrote in big letters, finally, a terrible wrong is being righted. A miscarriage of justice is corrected. And I lost my mind, as did everybody else. I, I mean, I think I tweeted, finally, the end of Felicia Rashad. How can you right now back up Bill Cosby when you know very well that he was absolutely guilty of what he did? You know the number of victims he had. So, of course, what did she have to do? Her agent called her and said, hey, uh, Felicia, if you ever want to work again, you better send out something. And here's what it's going to say. I fully support survivors of sexual assault coming forward. My post was in no way intended to be insensitive to their truth. Personally, I know from friends and family that such abuse has lifelong residual effects. My heartfelt wish is for healing. What do you think of people who do a second statement like that? Does it take away the first statement in your mind? Does it make the first statement okay? Or don't you think people's first statement is what they really think? And the second statement is just what their agents and lawyers tell them to write. That's my position. Felicia, I don't believe one word you're saying in your second statement. All right, let's go to break. I watched an absolute dud of a movie, but it's worth reviewing. So we're going to review a movie, and then we got to talk about what today is, July 1st, July 1st. I have very busy after the show, Coca. I am starting to cash in on my name, image, and likeness right after the show. We'll be right back. The 82-game preseason is in the books, and it's finally time for the real season. Don't miss out on any of the NBA playoff action at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. From the play-in tournament through the finals, DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered with same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more. From what you've seen so far, do you think they'll be a first-time winner of the NBA championship? If the Pacers, Clippers, Suns, Magic, Pelicans, or T-Wolves win, you win at plus 650. That's six teams to root for, six chances to win. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SAMSON. New customers bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets instantly. That's code SAMSON, only on DraftKings. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. That's 467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resort in Kansas, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. Hi, I'm David Sampson. Thanks for making it through that gauntlet. Thank you for subscribing, rating, reviewing, following. Let's break another record in July. So to do that, we have to start now. June was our best month ever. Thanks to you. Let's make July even better. And we've got the content to do it because every day there's stuff to do and every day I get to watch a movie. 
Coca called me up yesterday and said, hey, watch the ice road. I said, huh? Is that the new Liam Neeson movie? I love Liam Neeson back from the days of uh, when he was with Cher and John Mahoney in a movie called Suspect. I think Dennis Quaid may have been in that too. Anyway, he played the guy who was charged with the crime. I digress. So I said, fine, I'll watch the movie. I put it on. Lawrence Fishburne is in it. Don't know why. Liam Neeson is in it. I do know why. The story is they have to drive a tanker across an ice road where the tanker could sink into the lake. But if it doesn't sink into the lake, they get to make it to a mine, a mine field where miners are stuck trying to mine diamonds and the mine blew up and they're stuck in the mine. I could care less about any of the characters. I could care less about any of the miners. It wasn't this emotional, oh, let's save the miners. The most emotional relationship in the whole movie is Liam Neeson and his brother who is physically disabled, mentally disabled, not physically disabled. And whenever someone calls him a retard, Liam Neeson beats him up. Liam Neeson is this sort of old action star who's a truck driver who has the ability to beat everyone up and never get hurt and find ways to do things with trucks that I can't even fathom anyone can do with trucks. Maybe that was the highlight of the movie, that all these sort of uh, Tonka trucks can do these things. It made me want to talk to Carl Malone, who drives these trucks, who owns these trucks for a living. It looked pretty cool. I didn't realize that you can get you can decapsize a truck so easily. When a truck falls on its side, you can get it over. I didn't realize you could put something into the ice and somehow get your truck to do that. You know what? Forget it. Here's my view of the ice road. I'm not going to make you waste your hour and 47 minutes. I'm not going to do it. Spoiler alert. Here it is. Liam Neeson has to do a job. He gets fired from an old job, gets a new job, has to complete it. He knows there's going to be deaths. Everybody dies. Liam Neeson doesn't. Liam Neeson does the job at the end. And the bad guys, the bad guy you thought was a good guy or a nothing guy turns out to be a really bad guy. And then you get really cynical thinking, oh, my God, it's always just about business. That's the icy road. Moving on. All right, so I got to get done with this show, Coco, because I've got an appointment with a company and they're going to monetize my name, image, and likeness. It starts today, folks. Yeah, so I'm re-enrolling in college. I'm going to try to get another degree. And then once I'm enrolled, I'm going to take advantage of my NIL and I'm going to do some nothing personal shirts, maybe some more shirts like the ones I'm wearing now. I'm going to put a picture of my face, you know, with my eyes rolled, maybe a few Yiddish words on on them. Maybe I'll have a wait to see. I'm going to try to get a new car, new clothes. For sure, I need new clothes. Got to have more clothes, new clothes. I like my car, but I'd like a second car, maybe a third car. The other thing I'd like to do is another clothing brand, and it's going to be NPDS, where everything's available. And now CBS, you know, you've been so slow. Forget you. We're now doing it separately. I'm doing it on my own. It's a free-for-all. Let's get ready to rumble. The NCAA decided, finally. They said, you know what? We're good here. We have a plan. We're letting everybody do NIL. All the college athletes, all the college schools, the rules are very simple. Don't violate state law. Do the best you can. Try to be honest and tell us what you're doing so we can keep track. And good luck, everybody. There are going to be announcements made all day today all day tomorrow of players because it's not going to be every player is going to become a millionaire. They'll be some of the best players who will get deals in the hundreds of thousands. The point is it's all legal now. 
as opposed to the way it used to be. And that's such a big misconception that was talked a little bit about on Levitard this morning. The misconception is that everything's different. Nothing's different. Every player is doing what every player had always done. They're just doing it not under the table. It's like when prohibition ended. First of all, how about when prohibition started? Does that mean that all the alcohol stopped getting drunk? No. It just meant that you had to go to different establishments. It got a little bit riskier to get your alcohol, but you got it anyway. Then when prohibition ended, guess what? People went back to the bars, but they were still doing the same thing, drinking. Do you think that players have not been getting money from boosters and teams and alums of schools to go to those schools? Do you think the reason why the best recruits go to Miami is because they like the weather or they go to Alabama because Nick Saban is so handsome and fun and great to coach or go to Clemson? And I'm not leaving Wisconsin out of this, my school, not leaving any school out of it. Every school has been doing it. So all that's happening now is players are trying to find a way not just to continue making the money they were making, make more money than they were making by having the illegal stuff they were doing sort of segue into legal stuff, but there will always remain things that are still against the rules that will be done by organizations and by players. How do I know that? Because college football is a microcosm of any society. College football is a microcosm of any sport, of any company. There are people who will bend the rules even when everything is legal. They will still bend the rules to get a bigger piece of the legal pie. When there are certain things that are illegal that are not necessary to do anymore because they've made things legal, they'll find a way to do what is still illegal and profit from it. I'm thinking about cannabis, of course, when it's legal recreationally and legal medically. Do you think that that'll take away drug dealers? Take away people trying to make money from an unsanctioned deal of cannabis where you're not going to the dispensary, you're going to your drug dealer because you're using him to get other drugs as well? You think the drug dealers just disappear? Let me ask you this. How, the, how are the bookies doing? I, they must be out of business. Bookies are out of business because you can go on William Hill. You can go in Jersey and all these other states and bet. Ah, no more bookies, right? You bet your ass there's still bookies, even when all 50 states have it legally. It's the same thing with NIL. You can give players something, they're going to want more. Do I have an option with it? Do I have a problem with it? No, but get ready. Because what's happening now, it's like the gold rush in the 1800s. Everyone now is running around like a chicken without a head. And the job of an agent who the players have or of a family advisor who the players have is they have to be honest about the expectation of what the player is going to get. That is the one thing that I would be doing if I were an agent, if I were a team, even though I'm not supposed to get involved. But if I were an athletic director, I'd be making sure my players were very clear what the pecking order is for money made in NIL. And then the next thing I'd be doing is going to these companies who are paying the players and saying, by the way, if you pay our players all the money that you normally pay the school and we get no money from you, 
you're not getting any access as a sponsor. You're not getting any access to the players on property. All these things that you used to get by becoming our sponsor. But if you take away that money because you want to give it directly to players, I've got news for you. You better not do that. So there's going to be so much going on, so much negotiating because like a car dealership, instead of sponsoring the team, will say, screw that. I'm going to go right to the player, give him a car. If that goes on on a consistent basis, there's going to be a lot more to talk about with this NIL because this type of change that is coming down the pike so quickly and so voluminously and so spectacularly in the eyes of these players, there will be unintended consequences. They will be unimagined consequences, and not all of them will be positive. You wait to see. How many of you thought that we were going to lose the nothing personal pick of the day when the Yankees scored seven on Otani in the first inning? Anybody? Not. We won it. 89 and 66 because the Angels beat the Yankees. Yeah, Otani was out of the game in the first inning. Did you see that? He gave up seven runs, four walks, and then he was taken out of the game, so he couldn't even hit the rest of the game. And the Angels just found a way, found a way. And then all of a sudden, the Yankees bullpen comes in and blows it, and the Angels win the game. I'd say it's got to be the worst. Am I, am I close on that? The worst loss I've come across, I would say, that the Yankees have had this whole year. Not as bad as the Cubs lost yesterday, where they scored seven runs and then lost to the Brewers 15-7. to seven. They scored seven runs in the first inning and still lost to the Brewers. Still a pretty bad loss. The Yankees have a bit of an issue. Yes, they do. But we're 89 and 66, and we're happy about it. I'm going to go back to basketball. Did you see what happened with Giannis? Giannis, there was a rumor that he could have torn his ACL. Career ender, maybe. Season ender, for sure. Surgery, possible. We don't really know. They didn't make an announcement. We have no idea. There's rumors that there's no structural damage to his knee. We don't know if Trey Young is going to play in this game, game five. We don't know anything. There is so little information being given by these teams because, A, it impacts the betting line, but, B, they think it impacts them competitively. And, C, I get it. If, we, if our number one pitcher couldn't pitch the day he was supposed to pitch, we're not going to tell the other team until the last possible minute that we're allowed to. The Bucs are not going to release whether or not Giannis is playing into the last possible minute. I don't think Giannis can play. When you have that sort of hyperextension of a knee, there are ways to calm that down. There are treatments they can do, assuming there's no ligament damage. But there are treatments that you do, but it takes two to three days for those treatments to work. And so I believe he would miss this game, but be available, best case, for a game six. And there will be a game six because the series is tied at, tied at two. The Bucks are only giving two points at home to the Hawks. That means that the line makers are already assuming Giannis is not playing. And I think they're assuming Trey Young is playing because I'm not sure how the Bucs could only be giving two without Giannis and without Trey. I'm taking the Bucs. Doesn't that line seem too good to be true? I have learned, though, doing these picks of the day, when something seems too good to be true, it often is. So Bucks all the way down to two without Giannis is like a dream if Middleton has a game, which he should. Drew has a game, which he should. I just feel like it's a slam dunk. I'm going to do it. We're doing it. Bucks minus two over the Hawks. Okay, today's a big day. Today's a pretty exciting day. Have you read about it? Do you know what I'm talking about? Well, somebody does because they asked me about it. You know what I want? 
want to talk to Samson. So you want to talk to Samson. It's from that movie, Half-Baked. Doesn't matter if you watch it half-baked or full-baked. It's better full-baked. I guess you could watch it a quarter-baked. I'd prefer you not to watch it no-baked unless that's your thing. Anyway, there's a character in that movie. His name is actually Samson, and everybody wants to talk to him. So they'll say in the movie, I want to talk to Samson. Well, that's a segment we do here on Nothing Personal. And here's how it works. Get into my Twitter. You have to go to Twitter and follow me. You have to hit follow. Just even if you don't have an account, just open an account. You can be the robot. Just David P. Samson. Follow. And then go into the DMs, which is a little envelope. Ask a question, and I'm going to answer it. So you want to talk to Samson. It's Bobby Bonilla Day. You knew I was going to choose that question. Does Steve Cohn pay him or the Wilpons? Thank you for talking about this day. This is a famous day in baseball, July 1st. July 1st is the day that Bobby Bonilla receives over $1 million from the New York Mets. Not a big deal, right? A million dollars. What's a million dollars? It's like chump change for team owners like Steve Cohn, the richest owner in baseball. The reason why it's so interesting is that since 2011, Every July 1st, Bobby Bonilla has gotten one point. It's really closer to $1.2 million. If you want the exact number, Google it. It's like 1.193. So I rounded it up to 1,200,000. Every July 1st from 2011 to 2035, Bobby Bonilla will get that $1.2 million. People say that's unbelievable. What a great deal for Bobby Bonilla. The way this worked is when his contract was negotiated. He agreed to defer money at an interest rate that would pay him $1.2 million a year from 2011 to 2035, right? That 25 years, 25 payments, so call it $25 million. When he signed his contract, it wasn't worth $25 million. There's something called present value. Present value means that if I promise to give you $10 tomorrow, how does that work? I wake up tomorrow, I just give you $10. But it's not really $10 today. In order for me to give you $10 tomorrow, I'd have to give you $9.99 today. Because tomorrow, that'll be worth $10. The numbers are totally wrong in that example, but the content and the concept is right. It is called inflation. It is called the cost of money. And then there's something called the discount rate where you look at a number in the future. What would $10 in a year be worth today? And you take a discount rate. You can argue what the discount rate will be. Let's say discount rate is 5%. That means I have to give you today $10 minus 5%. So I give you $9.50 today or $10 a year from now. Bobby Bonilla said, I don't want money today. I want money years from now. I want it for 25 years, over a million a year, because that'll be like my annuity. That'll be like me winning the lottery every year. Now, I know $1.2 million in 2035 is not the same as $1.2 million in 2005. Of course not. $1.2 million in 2035 is more like 800 grand, 700 grand in 2005. Pick whatever discount rate you want and all of you accountants out there, put it through your Dr. Seuss machine and you'll come up with a number. 
But why did this happen? And why do the Mets get made fun of all the time? I talk about it and I need to talk about it once a year and I'm going to talk about it till it stops. When the New York Mets made this contract with Bobby Bonilla, they were investing their money and making more money on their money than the interest they were paying to a player not to pay that player his money. In very simple terms, if I have to pay Bobby Bonilla $10 million this year, that's $10 million out of my pocket. If I know I could take that $10 million and invest it and make 10% a year, every year on that $10 million, then I am more than happy to give Bobby Bonilla $10 million plus 5% and defer it out for 30 years because I'm making an extra 5% on my money that I wouldn't have if I had to pay Bonilla $10 million today. I deferred off into the future. I take all the money I would have had to have given him today. I invest it and I make more money than I have to give him. The Mets were brilliant in executing this plan because they had their money invested in ways that gave them a far greater investment return than what they had to give Bonilla. And Bonilla loved it because he was able to get money forced savings. So when he was done with baseball, when he wouldn't be able to have a job that paid him that amount of money, he would still get $1 million a year for 25 years and use that for his family, himself, his kids, whatever the case may be. It is the ultimate in win-win. But then the Wilpon sold the team. So what happens? When you sell a team, there is an agreement. It's called a purchase agreement. And in that purchase agreement are hundreds of pages of items listing all of the things, the assets that you are purchasing. So Jeter had a book four inches thick of all the things he was buying for $1.2 billion. You list them out. You list out every computer. You list out every um, baseball, every uniform, every popcorn machine, every asset, every contract, everything every employee, it's all put in a list. You put it in the list and then Steve Cohn looks at that list and says, you know, I like this list. I want to buy the Mets. I'm giving you 2.3 billion, whatever it is. But you know, I don't really want to pay Bobby Bonilla. That's really your problem. You're the one who signed Bobby Bonilla and you didn't pay him when he played. You deferred it. Now it's an obligation of the Mets, which I'm buying, but it's really your obligation. This should be something called a purchase price adjustment. A purchase price adjustment is when you agree on a price to buy something. Let's say you are buying a car and you are spending $20,000 on that car. Then you look around and you say, wow, the side view mirror is cracked. That needs to be fixed. To fix the side view mirror, it's going to cost you $50. If you want to pay to put a brand new side view mirror, no problem. I'll give you $20,000. But if you're not going to pay to fix the side view mirror and I've got to pay for it, then I'm giving you $20,000 minus $50. That's a purchase price adjustment, which means I'm only giving you $19,950 for your car and I'm giving $50 to the guy who's going to fix the side mirror. When you've got deferred comp, 
when you've got someone who's getting paid to do a job that they did for someone else and not you, you're going to look at that in the agreement and say, no, thank you. I will give you $2.3 billion for the Mets, but I'm not giving Bobby Bonilla $1 million for the next 20 years. We are going to discount to present day what Bobby Bonilla is owned, and I'm going to subtract that from what I give you in cash. So I was going to give you 2.3, but I've got to give Bonilla 50 million or 20 million or 10 million, whatever the number you want to choose. I'm now giving you 2.3 minus 10 million. That is called a purchase price adjustment. There are scores of these adjustments during the course of an agreement. When you're buying a house, when you're buying a car, when you're buying a team, doesn't matter. The more complicated the agreement, the more complicated the underlying asset, the more purchase price adjustments that there are. That is why you've got lawyers and bankers and they work together after you've announced a merger and an agreement. It takes time to actually figure out who gets what, where, when, and how. So the Mets have announced this big deal for today, like they're leaning into Bobby Bonilla Day. The Mets through their Twitter said, get ready, we have a big announcement. So people were thinking, wow, that's interesting. Could the big announcement be that Bobby Bonilla is going to be there to receive his check? Are they going to parade him out in, with Mr. Met and walk around and clap and high five? Are they going to give him his check in private? Are they going to say, hey, the Bobby Bonilla, it's over. We don't want it anymore. We're giving him all of his money now and we're done with it total. Could that be it? Everyone is speculating what the Mets are going to do. And I have an idea of what they're going to do. They're going to take full advantage of the fact that Bobby Mania Day has become sort of a holiday in baseball. When the Wilpons were there, they really shied away from it because they were embarrassed by it because of all the things that surrounded both Bernie Madoff and Bobby Bonilla and the team. And it was just always looked at negatively. Now that there's a new owner in town, a new sheriff in town whose pockets are deeper than the Grand Canyon, it says right here, he is going to lean into this and celebrate it. He's going to make a gimmick of it. He's going to do something that will always remind people of Bobby Bonilla Day, but make it very clear that that was the Wilpon issue, not the new great Steve Cohn issue. And he will take all of the sympathy that he can get for having to pay Bobby Bonilla, but he's going to act like the big guy that he is and pay him with a smile. That's what I really think is going to happen. I can't make it a wait to see Coca, can I? Because no, we have a wait to see already. But thank you for the, so you want to talk to Samson question about Bobby Bonilla day. People ask about that all the time. I don't think this is going to be your last time and come next July 1st. We're probably going to talk Bobby Bonilla time again, because that contract, as you very well know, was one of the great examples of it's just business. This is nothing personal. 